Hello, and welcome to RipperCast, your podcast on Jack the Ripper and the Whitechapel murders. I'm Jonathan Mangus, and co-hosting with me today is John Lee Reese. And we are both here to welcome Richard Jones and Adam Wood to the show to discuss their collaboration on Edgar's Walking Guides, a new series of London guidebooks published by Mango Books. Richard and Adam, thanks for being on the show today. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. As we speak, uh, the two of you have published five Edgar's Walking Guidebooks on Charles Dickens, Charlie Chaplin, Postman's Park, Haunted London, and Jack the Ripper. Can you tell us how this idea of the two of you producing walking guidebooks for solo walking tours of the London environs all came about? Do I take that one, Adam? Yeah, I I think so. As as you approached me, I think it would be best if uh, (laughs) you, you give the background. Yeah, it, it was it was an idea we had. Uh, well, it was an idea we we toyed with about three or four years ago, wasn't it, Adam? Uh, that we first mentioned it, uh, yeah. and then, as often happens with ideas, it just fizzled out for a time, and then COVID hit. And during COVID, it became quite obvious that uh, when COVID, well, well, last year, last July, we believed that COVID was going to be over <laughs> by September. People were going to be coming out again. And we thought, well, people are still going to be very nervous about it. We obviously we didn't foresee the, the next wave and another two lockdowns, but we thought people were a bit nervous about going out. So that's when I called Adam up and said, why don't we res- resuscitate that idea about doing the books? And Adam thought it was a great idea. So we decided to form this company called Edgar. Uh, and, and well, we decided to form the company, first of all, to publish the guidebooks. And what we wanted was to do guidebooks that weren't traditional guidebooks. They were books whereby they weren't so much guided tours as guided experiences. So you went out and you experienced the area. You didn't just read about it, but you you felt the area, you got to know the area. And we wanted it to be like every time you turned a corner, there'd be what I like to call the wow moment. There'd be something there, a vista that you'd go, wow. Uh, And this this happened throughout. So that that was the the idea behind the book. I approached Adam and then we said, uh, we decided we wanted to give it a name and we thought, well, what can we do? So we thought, well, we don't want sort of a traditional guidebook name. And what we want to do is go back to the Victorians where guidebooks came out and they were guidebooks in people's names. So you'd have name guidebooks. And that sort yes, of thing, something it? like that. And we thought we want someone like that. Uh, and so we ifed and ard. And then uh, one of us, who I believe was Adam, came up with the idea of Edgar. So I'll hand that bit over to you, Adam. It, yeah, really, it really was because I should, should say up front, actually, that Edgar is completely separate from Mango Books. It, it was just a case of uh, Richard using his uh, tour guide expertise uh, and uh, asking me if I'd be, be interested in an adventure with my book publishing expertise. So it's a completely separate entity to Mango Books or the uh, Ripper Tours Discovery Tours that Richard controls. Um, but yes, we, we wanted to, it definitely wanted to have a, a character and a brand of its own. Um, and the name sort of did come f- quite far down the line, actually. We'd already started working on the Ripper one which is number one in the series. Um, and I started looking for Victorian, stroke early Edwardian, typical sort of images of, of, of guys with moustaches and different headgear. And we tried a, a number of different sort of uh, logos just of a head. Um, and then when we when we settled on the one that we've got, we just thought, well, what, what is this guy? What does he look like? What, what, sort, of a, what sort of guy is he? Is he, is he a Jeffrey or, or something like that? Um, and I think it took quite a few weeks until, you know, I had a long list of names and it just really struck me as an Edgar. 
Um, so I had a chat and, and, and Edgar's guide, guys, it was really, but um, yeah, we, we've been keen right from the start to for him definitely to have an identity rather than being Richard or myself. And that gave us the, then the basic problem was we, we wanted Edgar to be a separate identity, but then we thought, well, publicity purposes, uh, suppose a, a newspaper phones up or somebody phones up and says, well, you know, we'd like to do an, an interview with Edgar. <laughs> uh, who's Edgar? So that's <laughs> when we decided we had to sort of have our names uh, as, as the writers. And so we sort of decided that we'd, 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 get, we'd get together. Uh, we started the Ripper Walk in July 2020. And it was just a question of just literally just going out and walking the routes. And I've got to say, it was uh, it was a fantastic time. It was, uh, I mean, as someone who's been doing Ripper tours since 1982, I was out on those streets and what number of times I phoned you, Adam, to remember, and I would be going, I'd, I'd phone him from, I'd go, wow, you'll not believe what I've just found. <laughs> and it was, it was like an experience for me. So it was, it was actually, a, it was a delight writing them. And, uh, and that, that's how we wrote them. We wanted people to have that same wow, that same, uh, fantastic feeling to, of discovering things. So each one was a discovery. And we, we tweaked around with the roots an awful lot. I mean, the Ripper one, we tweaked a lot. We were going to do all sorts of different areas. And then we came up with the idea that, well, you know, we don't really want to go, for example, Whitechapel Road would be a, a good one, but it's quite dull and boring once you get past uh, Brick Lane and onto Whitechapel Road. And then suddenly we just, uh, we thought, well, why not go down Spelman, uh, Princeton Street, Spelman Street, and then continuation of Hanbury Street. And so we rewrote that bit. And that's when I discovered this fantastic, which I must have been aware of them because I, I, I used to go to the Alma on Princeton Street and I must have been aware of the cottages, but I'd never noticed the, these cottages, Albert and Victoria cottages, which are these wonderful throwbacks to the, I think the 1850s, 1860s. Uh, and that's one of the times I called you, wasn't it, Adam? Going, whoa, yeah. you'll not yeah. believe these cottages. I was filming everything and sending him the films of them. And uh, it was it's just uh, say an absolute delight, and and then I was going to yeah. so just jump in there and say, and I did feel like a bit like a general at the time because I was sitting at my desk looking at Google Maps as to where Richard was walking and sort of guiding him along. So if you turn left here and then do the next right, it looks like there's something interesting, and he'd be on the phone and literally just turn the corner and see these cottages, um, and that sort of thing. It, it, it was really good, but I think in terms of the route. Uh, it, it did. It did change quite a quite a few times. There wasn't any sort of definite um, way we wanted to, uh, to lead the walk. And obviously, Richard has done the, the river tour for so many for so many years. I left much of that to him. But it was um, it was a case that we built we built the book and the guide by having the stopping points that we had to include, and then someone that we thought would be good to include, and obviously added more that you pass on the route. Um, to add, to add the history of, and it sort of de developed from there, really, didn't it? We added things in as you took a different turn. We added a, a new point in, keep the interest levels going. So as um, it was a good, it was a good learning curve, certainly for me, anyway. Yeah, and it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a fantastic, it was a fantastic experience to actually write it because the rip, the repertoires, the public repertoires tend to be quite condensed into that area around Brick Lane, Fournier Street, uh, former Dorset Street, Commercial Road. Goulston Street and then to Mitre Square and this we thought no we want to go further afield and we toured with the idea of doing it several walks because I mean it, it is a long walk I mean it's uh, it, it could it can take three to four hours to walk to walk the whole route but then we thought no if we actually do it properly we can do it in set in natural natural segments so for example you could walk from Allgate East and then do a nice hour and a half and you're down at Whitechapel Station 
knock off at Whitechapel Station, come back the next day, start at Whitechapel Station, and then carry on. And so, and, and that was it. That, that was basically what, what, what we decided with all of them in the end. We'll make them long walks, but walks that you can actually do either as a whole, if you're energetic, or if you're not so energetic, you can do them bit by bit. We wanted lots of pub stops or pubs, cafes on the route, so we could actually have people stop off and sit down, yeah. lots of garden stops. And the idea was that you enjoyed the tours. That, that was the whole point. And the thing was that it... In the end, that was it true, Adam? We didn't. We didn't call them. In the end, we weren't calling them walks, were we? We were calling them experiences. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Back to when you were saying the choice of putting your guys' names on the cover as authors, as opposed to maybe giving Edgar a last name and and putting out, you know, putting out the books is kind of like a non de plume thing, because you really did develop a character, and it's and um, highly informative. This Edgar guy is, and also, um, you know, a little. Sp- several little sprinkles of doses of humor throughout <laughs> the books. So it's a, it's, they're really a joy to read as that character of Edgar. So that was a brilliant decision on your guys's part. And you also mentioned the COVID pandemic and how it kind of led to getting these books uh, kind of kickstarted. You guys wanted to actually get these, these things going. Now, as the show is recording, we're experiencing like at least our third or fourth wave of the coronavirus pandemic. I've lost (laughs) count of how many waves we actually are supposed to have had, but we know that it put a sudden halt to having really any walking tour groups, large or small, conducting business in London and everywhere else for that matter. Now, since Richard, you own and operate London's Discovery Tours, can you share your more about your insight on how the effect that the pandemic has had on history tours in London? It was it, 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 it's had two effects on history tours. The the pandemic. Uh, the first thing was it was devastating. Uh, it was suddenly one 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 moment we were we we're sort of going full guns and everything's doing fantastic, and then suddenly we it was well it, perhaps February twenty twenty is when it's really started to sort of come in. And we were getting every night. We were when Trump closed down, said, you know, the Ameri- we're going to close America. So all the Americans in London were desperate to get home, and we were getting so many people phoning up. It was it was like the evacuate, evacuating uh, Kabul, evac, evac, evacuating Saigon. And friend was saying, oh, well, I'm, I've got a plane. I'm getting on the plane. Last plane out tonight. And it was just like, and when I say masses, it was like hundreds of cancellations just came in in one week. And myself and my wife spent one week just refunding people, just doing cancellation after cancellation after cancellation. Uh, So from that point of view, it was devastating. And then it was surprisingly surprisingly liberating because it was something that everybody everybody was in the same boat, uh, the world over. It closed the world down, basically. And... uh, and then I don't I don't know how it was in America, but certainly over here when it started with the first lockdown, it was a bit of an adventure. It was something. It was a bit like you're back in the Blitz, and it was a bit. You know, we're 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 really going in an adventure here. People are stop stockpiling things going on, and then it started. It, that initial panic ended, and I thought, you know, I'm. I've got a great opportunity here. So I started sneaking into London and filming. Uh, this, I mean, this is how Edgar came about. I started going in and filming little walks and filming locations. And that's when I discovered Zoom. Uh, so it led me into something that I'd never even thought of doing virtual tours. And so from last June, uh, well, last May, actually, the end of May, I started doing virtual tours. 
And that's that. And it was fantastic. Just on a webcam, just putting a green screen up. And I found with the high definition films, I could actually take people to the locations wherever they were in the world. So it opened up that to me. And then it was just a roller coaster. It was Boris Johnson, you know, yes, you can open up. Oh, no, you can't open up. Yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can do that. No, you can't do that now. And it was just so confusing. So in the end, we opened up maybe August to October and then they closed us down again in early November. And then I just didn't bother coming back in December because I, I knew that next big wave was, it was obvious <laughs> that the next big wave was on the way. And, uh, and but that was the period when we'd done Edgar. Uh, and, uh, and the great thing about Edgar, I mean, I think it's something that both, well, myself, but also, I mean, Adam, because he did all the technical stuff behind it and the, uh, the, 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 uh, the artwork and the graphics. But we got those first batch of guides, which was Jack the Ripper, Dickens, Postman's Park and Haunted London. We wrote that first batch of guides between July and October last year. So we actually did that. That was four, four books between July and, and, and October. Uh, wow. I think uh, I think that, that was fantastic. And a, a lot of the achievement was Adam's because Adam did so much of the, you know, he, he, I just went out and did the walks and enjoyed it. Adam did the, uh, <laughs> the, the grunt I work. I stayed at home and scenes. worked, did the work, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th I, I think kept the key, the key you should be out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lovely day here, yeah. Um, no, it was, it was just a case, really, that I, I realised that initially we spoke about doing um, a ripper, um, to, a guidebook, uh, um, a guided tour, as perhaps a, a more of a coffee table one, but this was, as Richard said, some quite some time ago. Certainly not the um, the pocket version that is sort of developed into with the Edgar series. Um, so we had that idea in the back of our minds, but but when Richard said about well, potentially create a new a new a series of walking guide books, a little little pocket guide, but packed full information. I realised straight away that it needed to have a a strong a brand visually. We didn't necessarily think about the the Edgar character. Um, so for me, the biggest job really was creating like the design of the inside pages and make sure the directions were easy to read. Um, so that that was the hardest work. But after that, once we'd, we'd written the text of the Ripper one, and Richard obviously already does the Dickens tour, so sort of dusted that one down, and we we flowed that one into the Edgar voice. It's quite it's quite easy really to put each um, finished text in, into an Ed, in Edgar branded guide. So that that part of it, I don't think is, is 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 too hard work. And of course, as Richard says, mapping out a route and then sort of finding out as much as you can about each stop is good fun anyway. So it doesn't feel like much hard work, I don't think. Yeah, and the great thing was when we were trying to give Edgar his voice as well. We were trying to get the voice for Edgar. <laughs> we were always on the phone with uh, trying different voices out because uh, we had the. I think we we did didn't we? We we had this voice in our head of what Edgar would sound like, and we wanted him to be sort of somebody who. Uh, didn't like working too much. Uh, I mean, that's why on the website, we've got the sign, uh, we had the sign, Gone Walking. And Edgar was just someone who liked, liked the good life, couldn't be bothered to walk, yeah. you know, didn't, want, didn't want to work, wanted to walk and go to pubs and, <laughs> and just enjoy life. And I think, uh, and so we were trying to give him this voice. And uh, when I was going around recording them on my, on my mobile phone, I was sort of putting in little, little, little word. And then I'd phone Adam up and Adam would give, oh, I've got this voice here. Uh, and so we, we'd be trying voices and like Sergeant Major type voice and, and whatever. So it was, it really, <laughs> really was. We should have got out more, but. <laughs> no, I think, well, you certainly did. I, I think um, it was really important that once we decided to have that, that little um, personality for Edgar, that we did put a voice in. And Jonathan, you, you've mentioned that. I mean, it is deliberate that once we've 
done the bare bones of the of the route and the directions. It's just adding in a little voice. And for, for instance, in the Chaplin uh, book, he he, met, he alludes to having some spent some time on the boards himself. But we don't go any more into that. I think we will introduce more of that in future, guys. Yeah. He's he's definitely got a backstory that we're not going to reveal all in one go. But I think <laughs> it'll be, uh, be quite good. But number of times Richard was walking around the East End, and he would say uh, something like Ed, Edgar was taking you around a certain back alley, or whatever. <laughs> so we could do a book on its own in that way, really. Yeah, we did have we did have some fun with back passages, but <laughs> the Chaplin book is the latest book in the series to come out. Yeah. Um, was that the you you guys say that you really uh, were able to pump out the first four in just a, a few a few months? Is it was it the Charlie Chaplin book that took a little bit longer to research? Because I tell you what the <coughs> I mean, it's a, essentially a biography of Chaplin's early life in London, set in this kind of in a scene of his return after he's made it yes. um, initially in Hollywood. But it goes through, you know, his his parents' lineage, his childhood. Uh, he had step, a stepfather um, or two, maybe. And then uh, stints at the workhouse, going back to live with his mother, who ended up in an asylum off and on throughout the later part of her life until I believe Chaplin moved her to Hollywood. Yeah. Just the sheer amount of research that went into that thing as it's a uh, turn left here and you are here go down. And, and then here is the pub where Chaplin's last meeting with his father was and things like that. I was pretty amazed at, at how it's um, so much more than just a walking tour guidebook to where I'm sitting here in the middle of the United States with no hope of ever uh, taking myself on a self-guided tour of the sites relating to Charlie Chaplin's early life in London, but I was able to just get so much out of it that it didn't even matter to me whether or not I was never going to be able to actually physically walk these sites. It was so enjoyable. Was the Chaplin one the one that maybe took the longest of of, of a process to put together or... I don't think to be to be honest, John. I don't think that it, that it did. I, don't, I certainly don't think it was any longer than the Ripple one, which we 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 put a lot of work in as a joint effort. Um, I mean, the Chaplin one came around because we, we released the first four in the series, and um, then we started having discussions. We've got a long list um, somewhere, perhaps of about a dozen potential future Edgars. Um, and I I said to to Richard, I, I don't know why I didn't think of it before for the initial run, but I used to live in Woolworth, um, pretty much opposite where, where Chaplin was, um, Chaplin's brother was baptised. And I, I knew all these sites existed at the time, but I didn't even think about mentioning it to Richard to do an, to do an Edgar from it. Um, so the, once, once the first four were out and, and they were selling and we were casting that around for future um, Edgars, I said, well, you know, I'm sure if I look into this more, there must be more um, related sites that, that we could, we could go in. And, I knew the area quite well, so I could sort of plot the route and, and look at what was going on. And then I sent it to Richard, who knew, I'm sure what we saying, knew virtually nothing about Chaplin. So oh, no. it was a fresh tour for him going around in those directions as well. But I bought a copy of Chaplin's autobiography. Um, and then there's a, there's a really good book by David Robinson about um, Chaplin's career. But the early, ch- the early chapters do talk about his London days and what happened to his mother and, and his father become an, um, an alcoholic and why he became an alcoholic through the stage um, musical uh, uh, 
community, really. So I just thought it was an interesting story. But because I, I knew the area quite well, it was quite really straightforward. I think I, I worked on it full on for about four weeks before it was ready for Richard to go along and, and test the route and then fine tune the text. But as always the same with research, one of the things I, I really enjoyed was I went on to Ancestry and was chasing down the, um, his childhood friend, Chaplin's childhood friend, Wally, Wally McCarthy, who, who he talks about. And I thought, well, if they're really good friends, you know, they'd think there'd be some, the family of that boy would have been sort of proud of the link with Chaplin, um, with the Hollywood thing, but there's nothing at all on there. Um, and of course, when I looked into him and, and found that he, he died, I think when he was nine, just 19, still in the area, Chaplin never mentioned him again. So I don't think they were necessarily that, that good friends. But again, you know, the descendants of built family trees, as you often find, and there's photographs of these people uh, and the boy's father that Chaplin wrote in his autobiography, hoped would marry his mother. Um, there's a picture of him on there. So we, we got permission to use that in the book. And that's the sort of thing when you're doing research for anything, but specifically for the Edgars, it just really adds to it. Um, and I'd just like to go back to the first point you made there, John, about Richard and I, when we first spoke about this, it wasn't, we were, we were quite keen that the guides weren't just something you had to go and do. They are really information books that anyone sitting anywhere in the world can read and you go on like a virtual tour, really. We will be doing videos, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, but um, we wanted someone to have like the full story of whatever subject they were reading in, if they're in the middle of America, you, you feel as though you're doing the tour. Obviously, there's the map of each one on the inside cover, so you can see a rough directions. And, and we got as many photographs as we can of each stop in there. That that was just as important to us as is actually making something that someone could take in their pocket and go around the East End or South London or, or wherever. Mm -hmm. When reading the, the Chaplin one, we all kind of have our origins except for maybe Richard, but in the world of ripperology. And so when, when you're reading about Marie Lloyd and, you know, in the music hall um, scene um, in Chaplin's early years and in his father's early years, you know, a little, a little itch gets into the back of my head, you know, about, oh, you know, Cooney's Lodging House, the John McCarthy, you know, all these tangential kind of connections that, that lead to the Whitechapel murders. Were you ever tempted to, I'm glad you didn't, but, you know, I couldn't help but uh, wonder if you were ever tempted to um, drop, drop little connections that Marie Lloyd or, you know, any of these places might have had with um, other, I know in the Ripper book, for instance, you guys talk about Cable Street and, and Wilton's Music Hall and things like that that you would see on the route. So when, when you discuss Marie Lloyd in, a, in the book, being from Ripperology, I, I just my mind immediately goes to you know <laughs> well there, there uh, was one there's one part in the chaplain one that when I was researching a little bit about the um, the Lambeth Police Court which we visit after you've been to the workhouse um, and I found a newspaper story that I mentioned to to Richard but we never we didn't put it in the book uh, for exactly those reasons but I found um, a story from the from the Lambeth Police Court where I think it was some some famous acrobat of the era had been taken a uh, court in front of the magistrates for mistreating one of one of his um, uh, young young assistants. I can't remember the name, but it was at the time where um, the Ripper victim was in the Lambeth workhouse. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. It, it does make you realise that there's um, uh, obviously all this stuff going on. But 
it felt that we we discussed it and it felt that we'd put it in almost because it was just Jack the Ripper and it wasn't really relevant to Chapman necessarily. So we decided not to put that in. So it didn't look as though every Edgar guide had to have some mention of Jack the Ripper or the East End. Right. Yeah. And with Chaplin, it was, um, I mean, what was for me personally, because Adam came up with the idea for the Chaplin and they did all the research. And uh, I can remember thinking uh, he was he sent the uh, PDF over to me because it was all the PDFs. And I, uh, and then I remember the day I went off and set off to walk it and I came out of Elephant Castle. <laughs> and <laughs> I'd, I'd, never, I'd been to Lambeth Workhouse because I've been doing it for uh, videos on uh, Mary Nichols and, and stuff. But um, I mean, to me, Lambeth I was, was it was <laughs> an elephant and castle. I thought, my goodness! But it was again. It was it was one of those things where, as I started getting into the area, for example, very early on, I've forgotten the name of the church, Adam, but there was a church that we passed by, and yeah. you just suddenly turn a corner off this busy modern main road, and you're almost you're like in a country churchyard. Uh, I can't remember. Was it St John's or? or? Yes, it is. Yeah. St. John's, yeah. And, I, and I, I'm not just walking there. Sadly, I couldn't get, the churchyard looks amazing, I could, but I couldn't get in to uh, film it because they, um, there was a, uh, a funeral taking place at, at the church itself on the day I was walking it. And so I stood across the road filming it across the road. And I always remember this, that uh, this lady came running across and going, oh, please, please don't give me a ticket. <laughs> she said, I said, ticket? She said, you're a traffic war. I went, Oh, no, no, no. I said, I said, do I really look like a traffic warden? <laughs> she said, but, uh, but it was, again, it was, it was, I'd, I'd never, I knew nothing. Well, I knew a bit about Chaplin, but I didn't know about Chaplin's time in London and, and that. And it was just the most, it was an incredible walk because it was voyage discovery for me. I was walking around and all these places and the contrasts of it, you suddenly got the market. You've got this wonderful market where you've got the Chaplin plaque at the end of it. Uh, uh, and it's such a vibrant, busy market. And then you're going up onto uh, uh, the park, which I forgot the name of the park, uh, Adam. But, uh, but you go from there to the park, and then we we just I, I was discovering these places that were that. What, there was one where I went up the hill. Do you remember? And I called you and said, "Yeah, there's a a Charlie Chaplin adventure playground around this that's corner." Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I took a photograph of it and called Adam. I said, "Do you know about this chocolate?" And you've got so many things that. You wouldn't think that for a, that you'd have like Charlie Chaplin Adventure Playground for children's educational needs and stuff like that. But he's still, you know, you think he's still thought of. And then, as I say, it was just uh, it was for me that that was that was truly enjoyable uh, because I came at it as someone who who knew nothing about the route, and then suddenly I'm walking around and every again it was the Edgar principle. Every, every corner I turned, uh, and just when I'm starting to flag. There's something there that gets me going. I'm thinking, wow, and I, you can't believe it. So no, it's uh, Chaplin was a, uh, was a, was a, a lovely book. And nice thing was I didn't have to do any work on it. <laughs> <laughs> the the Dickens one has a couple of Edgar seems to you know meander off of the main roads like you were saying, and then all of us. I think it's uh, when he's at the um, Barristers um, Inn uh, from Bleak House or something, yeah. where there's a garden out there, and you know Edgar advises the reader to stop a few minutes contemplate the nice you know quiet peaceful garden-like surroundings um those were those were really nice touches um com- contrasted to dickens portrayal of the uh the location you know which he absolutely despised that was pretty neat how how edgar does manage to find these little 
little oasises in, in the Dickens walk is the one I remember particularly. Yeah. Uh, one last thing that uh, is kind of COVID related again is Edgar mentions the precautions that uh, Walker might have to take along his route. We all hope that one day COVID uh, will dissipate enough to allow you guys to maybe go in and revise or remove the COVID references. Yeah. And, that, and that also plays into the fact that London is constantly changing. Will there be updated editions of, of the Edgar books? Because otherwise they would become dated for like within a decade or something. Very, very much so. I mean, the, the whole point about Edgar was that, uh, I mean, one of the reasons why we, we, we wanted to do it the way we did was that because uh, I've, I've done quite a few, I've, I've done uh, guidebooks for, I did, I used to write the Frommer's Guide to uh, London and I did uh, Frommer's Guide to Edinburgh and stuff like that. And, and what, what I did notice writing those guides was obviously you'd write the guidebook, maybe I'd write it 2020, but it wouldn't come out till almost 2022. So by the time a, a traditional guidebook comes out, it's already out of date. And, uh, and it's amazing how many places go out of business in, in, in an interim. You know, I, I, I did this when I did a, a book on York and Edinburgh, when I'd be walking around the back, the alleyways and going, going to, and I'd make a recommendation in the, in, the, in the book. And when the book had come out, the place had closed down because it, uh, you know, it hadn't worked out and it had gone bankrupt. In fact, I almost thought I could make a, a living, actually. Uh, it was almost like I cursed the place. If, if I put it in the guidebook, I cursed it. And so I thought I could actually make a living going, look, you know, give me 300 pound or I'll put you in my guidebook. <laughs> and, uh, a unique but, protection racket there. Just... Well, that's it. It'd be fantastic, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's, uh, but uh, yeah, look what happened to him. He, he, <laughs> but uh, uh, so what we want to do with Edgar was also, and we, we are working on this at the moment, was to get uh, uh, the updated, sec- updated sections on the website. So if things change, we can put it on the Facebook page, we can put it on the website. So we can say, and that's something that a lot of, uh, I mean, we never did it with the Frommers guides and things like that. Uh, but it's always, it's always something that struck me. There's a, there's a great idea to do, do an update PDF. And we've, we're actually going to be putting the PDFs out, aren't we, Adam, with the, well, with that, the books? That's it. If there's a substantial change um, for, for a stop or, or, or something in there, um, we'll update the, uh, the guide. And everyone that's previously purchased the book will get a, 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 an automatically emailed the PDF of the, of the updated version. Oh, yeah. good. And we were going to do this. Uh, I mean, uh, case in point was with Jack the Ripper. I mean, we are still, we, we, I mean, I still walk the Jack the Ripper route every month and, uh, and just check things. Uh, so, for example, when the passageway going through to the Francis Coles murder site, when Edgar first came out, that passageway was closed off. Uh, so we, we, we did a sort of round route. And also the arch in which Francis Coles was murdered. When we first did it, it was covered in scaffolding and you couldn't see into the arch. But then I was down there working it, walking it, I think it was in February, I think it was, and uh, it, it had opened up. And you could literally stand by the window and look into the arch and actually see well, actually see one of the murder sites. Uh, so, so that went in there. And then there's one we did the other week, uh, which was the was Emily Smith, wasn't it, Adam, that we were... Yeah, at the Shedwell Place... Yeah. Richard walked back a couple of times and we sort of evaluated whether it would be worth changing the route to include that, which I think would be good, but it's just the timing and the, mm. and the route you take. Is there anything in, interesting or are you taking, you've got to remember if people do walk the route, are you taken into a dangerous area? You know, yeah. that, that's always got to be a consideration. And we just decided as of, as of the moment that for the, for the route and the amount of time it takes to get to that spot, although, it, it's sort of an interesting story and it wouldn't be too much of a diversion. It just wasn't worth 
altering the route uh, for that. So, but, but we're always, as, as we just said, we're always evaluating the route people are taking, if new information comes in, or, or there's another spot which, which we find which might make it a, a more interesting diversion for, for, the, for the, uh, the, the person doing the walk. We, you know, we happily change it. And as I say, you know, the, it won't be a case that I'm, I'm disappointed because I bought the first edition of the Ripper uh, walk, because if it does change, you'll, you'll be given the updates anyway. Yeah. And I think with the Emily Smith one in particular, oh, incidentally, for the Emily Smith, by the way, uh, we might not have it in Edgar, but it's certainly in Adam Swanson. So you can uh, re read the Emily yeah. Smith story in Swanson. <laughs> uh, normal Jack the Ripper tour, due, uh, due to timer constraints, uh, typically doesn't visit all the murder sites. And um, no. you chose to set up a nearly four-hour tour, as you had mentioned at the beginning of the show. But you do leave out one of the murder sites. I believe it's Rose Milet's. Yeah, yeah, um, popular, popular murder. Yeah, yeah, uh, but you include her mother's house and um, and other sites associated with the Whitechapel murders, such as Golden Fleece Court, where the incident with Charles Ludwig took place. Yeah, um, and then as I mentioned about uh, Cable Street and Wilton's Music Hall, you add the history of other certain places that Edgar uh, passes along his way. Um, so how does his walk in in his book compared to the typical walk one would experience if they booked with a tour company uh the difference completely is that uh a total difference is that with a tour company you're being taken around by a guide uh which is great for a lot of people it's a fantastic experience and i, and I will say it is a fantastic experience <laughs> but uh the, the problem the, the problem with the walking tour is there are constraints you, you're with 30 other people uh, on a walking tour and the pace is set by the guide, by the 30 other people. So suppose you get to a location like the 10 Bells and uh, you look at it and you think, oh, that looks nice. I'd love to have a drink in there. If, obviously, on a standard walking tour, you've either got to come back after the tour or you've got to, uh, uh, you, you've, you've got to look at it and think, I'll do it for another day. Whereas with Edgar, if, you're going, if you pass the 10 Bells or you pass another location, you think, oh, that looks like a nice place. You can go in and do it. So you, you're not, you're not, you, you can say, okay, I'm going to make a break here. Uh, I can go and do it. So the difference is that you're, you are the guide uh, effectively. So you, you set the pace, you set, the, you, I mean, Edgar sets the tone, but you set the pace you're going to go at, you set how you're going to, how long you're going to spend at each location. Uh, you might think, oh, I don't like this location. Uh, uh, or, or you might think, wow, this is fantastic. I want to stay here a bit longer. I mean, good case in point on this one is the mortuary of St. George in the East, uh, which uh, is just such a fascinating building. And none of the tours go there, but uh, you go there and you could, it, it's just one, it, I, I don't know if it's just me, but it really does. I, I, I just, it's almost like it casts a spell on me. Whenever I go there, I spend ages photographing it from every, I've got so many photographs of it. And, uh, and, and that's, that's the point of Edgar. You can, do it how you want to do it so if you don't want to go if you want to do it quickly fair enough if it starts pouring down with rain you've got to push on with the tour whereas if it pours down with rain and you're on an edgar guide you can nip into the pub or think oh yeah I've had, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back if you've got kids with you and uh, god forbid they get stroppy uh you can always say oh no okay we'll go home we'll complete it another day uh so you you're you're in charge it's your tour you do it how you want to do it at your pace and, and that's the difference a guided tour is a performance a guy if it's guided but it's always going to be the guide setting the pace edgar you set the pace with edgar's guidance and 
and I think we always there's a, there's a line in Christmas Carol where Dickens mentions the fact that uh, he talks about that uh, the uh, is it the ghost was so close to him. He's as close to he's as close he was as close to him as I am to you now, and I'm sitting right next to you. <laughs> Uh, and it's that that wonderful Dickens. So you think Dickens wrote that in 1843, and people are still reading that. Oh, Dickens is sitting right next to me, and that's what Edgar is. Edgar's with you all the, every step of the way, and that's why when Edgar finishes, he says, "I, I must leave you here," <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. he gets he finishes the ten bells. Says, I must leave you here and enjoy enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, he's very careful with his, his uh, on his walks. You know, you know, he there's one. Um, I think it might be in the Dickens one where after you leave a particular site you know he he uh warns warns you up that okay now you'll be walking on the street um because there are no sidewalks available you know so be careful as uh, you know as you as you walk actually like in the along a street you know with no pathways those, those are nice little touches you know yes. that edgar gives um where I, unexpected you know that that the, that he would just pop in and say okay now there's no sidewalk here. So, you know, trust me, you'll have to walk down this a little bit on the street. So, yeah, I think there's one, one we enjoyed. The one we really enjoyed, Adam, was uh, the cable, cable Street one where it was just a throwaway line as we were as I was walking it. And uh, when, you, when you're on the, 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 the first section, when you get past uh, the, uh, the flats, it's, it's a bit dull. Uh, and I think I mentioned it as I just recorded it as we're walking along saying, you know, look, it doesn't look like there's much, but uh, I can't remember the line I use now, but it was per, if it persevere my, my little detectives or my, my foot, intrepid foot, detectives. Foot sore sleuths, I think it was. Was it foot sore sleuths? <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and it, will, it will be worth it. <laughs> it's, and I think that's, that's another important thing. Obviously, you know, if you're walking a route, you are inevitably going to have uh, dead, dead time. We, we try to limit that as much as possible. I mean, one thing we did was on Whitechapel Road, the initial route went uh, down Old Montague Street and then onto Whitechapel Road. We were, we, was, we were going to put the, the Wainwright murder. We were going to do the Wainwright murder. But it, it meant for, for doing that, we then had a long walk where there was not a great deal to look at uh, after, after we'd passed the Bell Foundry. And, so, and then suddenly we thought, well, hang on, we can do Rose Milet. So we can do Rose Milet, her mother living in... Uh, in, in was it Pelham Place I think it was mm. and then that's when we got to the Albert, Albert and Victoria cottages and a whole little enclave that has survived that is more or less if any of those people came back today they'd be seeing the area as it was then and they'd recognize the buildings and that 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 was so that's when we switched there and it was an ongoing project and uh, and it still is I mean as I say we 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 still discuss it and we're still taking photographs and hope you know like I say with the Emily Smith one we were thinking can we put that in and then I went and walked it. Adam came up with an idea. I tried a route and we just couldn't get a route that would, would take it, which was a pity because there's a wonderful illustration in the Illustrated Police News of the corner where the attack took place with the archways of Shadwell Station in, in the photograph. And uh, you can stand on that corner and still see what, what's in that Illustrated Police News illustration. So it would have been worth it for that. But to get there, it was a 15 or so minute walk through a council estate and it just wasn't very pleasant. So we thought, no, okay. Because Edgar is such a, a character, um, have you guys put any thought into maybe doing like an audio walking tour of the books? That was one of that is our intention eventually to have uh, to have them all as audio guides, yeah, uh, and have Ed, Edgar out and about. It's uh, it's uh, it's yeah, it's 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 interesting. The only thing is, I'm I, 
I don't know if I'm un, unusual in this. Is I, I don't particularly like audio guides because I, I do like to be aware of my surroundings. And I'm, I, I, one of my big worries about audio guides is if you've got earphones in, you're, you're, you know, and you're walking down a, a road, you, you, you're, you're so, you know, you, there's a danger that you might not hear approaching traffic or stuff like that. Right. Uh, but um, I mean, as, as Adam said, we are, we are planning, we are working on the videos now and there's going to be videos that Jack the Ripper route's going to come up on video uh, and there will be videos, which effectively will be audio, but you'll be able to sort of sit there and, and see the routes. And uh, it's, there's been a lot of building work over, over the COVID period in the East end of London. And that's, that's coming to an end now. So a lot of the places that looked nice, but uh, weren't nice because of scaffolding, then that's now stopping. So, more and more of it the east end is coming to life and it's getting it's getting a lot busier now as well can i just jump back to your question to richard about how the edgar ripper guide uh, differs to uh, say traditional ripper tour that people on the street uh, one thing that richard was quite insistent that we included in and i'm pleased that he did was uh, the guide to the victims graves right. i don't think anyone takes anybody there unless it was obviously like a personal visit so it was really nice to have like a, like a little mini edgar guide at the back of the book right yeah. giving people how they could get to them on from one to the other on public transport if they're going that way and where they would find them within the cemetery i think that's unique in, in a as far as i'm aware in a, in, a, in a published book but i think it's really important touch to it as well yes yeah i agree i was I, i'd forgotten to mention that yeah it's on like you said it's um not a part of the main tour, but as like a, an appendix, a tour yeah. of all the grave sites. John? Yeah, I, I, um, uh, I want to talk about the Postman's Park uh, guidebook in particular uh, myself. No, we haven't really mentioned that one. Um, because it's rather than a walking tour, it's, it's a guidebook to a location. I just wanted to know what, you know what the inspiration was behind that, where did the idea come from? Because it's, it's a fascinating book. Um, exactly. you, you sit down and read and stuff. That's our shortest guide, or our shortest walk. It's our longest, longest book, but our shortest <laughs> walk. <laughs> I think that, that came around. Richard had given a talk on Postman's Park to the East End Conference. I think, was it 2019, Richard? I think it was before that, yeah, 2018, 2018, yeah. Uh, and it got a really good reaction from, from the delegates, you know, wanted to find out more about the stories behind the plaques. And I know some people did visit, actually, that, that weekend as well. So I, I knew it was going to be well-received when we were looking at um, potential... Um, subject matter for Edgar um, and I think Richard had all, you'd already written a lot of the entries anyway hadn't you for um, yeah a lot of it had been facts. done I, yeah I, I, I spent a lot of time going through the um, the British newspaper archive in uh, I think it was 2016 just take getting all the stories of every one of the plaques uh, from from the newspapers and uh, so a lot, lot of the work had been done on that one but it was just uh, it, it was just so it, it is such a nice I mean, it's not a walking tour. It's not by any stretch of the imagination, but it's somewhere where you can stand for a good hour and, and read those plaques. And every, I mean, the, the whole intention of George Frederick Watts, who was responsible for the plaques, was that they that they weren't narrative plaques. They were art, they were works of art in that they would inspire you. So the idea was you'd be inspired uh, by the acts of heroic self-sacrifice depicted on the wall. Uh, and that really was, uh, uh, it, it, it was really interesting to, to read them because it's also interesting because Watts saw them as artworks. Uh, so they were works of art. And a lot of them didn't happen 
as they are described on the plaques. Uh, for example, there's two doctors who treated children with diphtheria. And apparently one of the things with diphtheria is that a membrane forms across the throat. And, uh, and, and that, that's how you die, because it basically suff- asphyxiates you. Uh, and the only way to do it is to sort of drill into the throat. Uh, and, uh, and at least one of the doctors had drilled into, a th- into the throat and the child had coughed and the membrane had burst and it sprayed all over the doctor, doctor's face. And he caught diphtheria and died of diphtheria. It says he, was, he risked poison for himself rather than uh, uh, to save the life of a child. But in fact, if you actually read his, the accounts in the medical journals, <laughs> the medical journals weren't in the least bit sympathetic. They just basically said, well, what a stupid thing to do. Uh, why, why wasn't he wearing, I mean, topical now, why wasn't he wearing a mask? Why didn't he use a pump? Uh, you know, he risked his own life by, by doing this. And so it, it, it's the stories behind them. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, they are fascinating in their own right. Uh, and, but the story behind the monument is different to the, effectively the stories behind each of the plaques because lots of the plaques are different. There's a wonderful one there that, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this in the conference, Adam, was the... Uh, <laughs> the the G Garn- there's a uh, plaque to a man called G Garnish, who was a clergyman who was drowned off Putney Bridge while saving the life of a stranger. And the story was that he jumped into the River Thames. He was in a boat and someone fell out of another boat. And this young clergyman leapt into the river, swam out, grabbed this person, lifted him into the boat, and then was pulled under by the current and drowned. And it's a fantastic, inspiring story. This clergyman jumping out of the boat. It was January 1885, except that it didn't happen. It's fake news, 1885. Uh, it was a, a joke, as far as I can make out. It was a joke that was done by a, uh, a news agency. I think it was the Press Association. Uh, it could have been Central News. But anyway, one of the news agencies <laughs> played a joke on one of their employers with this story. Uh, and it accidentally got, got sent out on the wire. So it got picked up by all the newspapers and they published it. And then they realized what they'd done. So they, pu- they sent a retraction out and that retraction was published the next day. But when Watts was doing the memorial, he employed a lady to go to the British Library to get press clippings of heroic self-sacrifice. And she found the original story, but she didn't find the retraction. So <laughs> this plaque has gone up on the wall and it's complete fake news, 1885. <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to ask about, um, because the thing that, well, to us, of course, Richard is well known for his uh, his Jack the Ripper tours, but uh, to perhaps the general wider public, it's his haunted uh, and ghost tours uh, that he's, uh, you know, well known for. Um, so, you know, London being arguably the most haunted city in the world, you know, what was your process to narrow down the number of ghost stories to the 20 or so on each of the two phases of the Haunted London walk? It was... Uh... Again, it was the thing we, that we, we both had that we wanted it to be a walk. Both walks had to be walks where there was plenty to do. Uh, so plenty to see or plenty to experience. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, the, the, West, the West End one, I think the West End's the longest one, isn't it, Adam? The, the, the city yeah. one we do chart house. So the city one's pr- probably got the more atmospheric route where the West End's probably got the most in it. Uh, it's got some wonderful locations. So it was the, the process literally was just map, putting the stories that we'd like to put in it and then mapping it. And I've got to say the mapping, uh, I'm, I'm the world's worst at maps. I just can't, I can't follow maps. I can't do maps. I, 
I'm terrible. So thank God. I, uh, so that's where. So Adam, Adam bailed me out no end on that one. So I just I just say to Adam, look, this is this this is what what I've got in mind. And Adam would sort of uh, go and come back with a map on it. So uh, yeah. So so and then I think it was Adam who'd work out to well, yeah, we can do this and that. And then I'd go and follow the route. Was, uh, am, am I right on that one, Adam? Or that's it. Yeah. But what what I like about those two, uh, they are two distinct different walks. But um, we we were quite quite keen that the end point of one wasn't too far from the start point the next one so if you wanted to carry on and do both both in one visit that, that it was achievable and that's so yeah because because one of the ones we one of the other books we looked at doing and we we might still do it uh, a bit of bit of a problem over the name though is uh, is that uh, is sherlock holmes uh but the problem with Sherlock Holmes is that it's it's quite spread out. You know, everybody obviously you've got to do Baker Street, and then it was working well. We've got to get to Baker Street to Strand and do do all, all around there. Uh, so it was a, uh, uh, I mean, it's it's still still there. And of course, the other thing that I, I found as a tour guide doing Sherlock Holmes tours is that when people book a Sherlock Holmes tour and then you you meet them and you you take them on a Sherlock Holmes tour, uh, it turns out what they don't want. What they actually don't want is a Sherlock Holmes tour. <laughs> they 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 want a Sherlock tour <laughs> that they've seen on the television, <laughs> or they uh, uh, and of course you know with, with and so when you start talking about what well, this is the blue carbuncle and they go well, well. <laughs> and it, it's amazing how people just go by what they what they see have TV as usurped it all. So um, I mean, there's so much. I mean, Holmes is fascinating because we, there's also a slight problem in that the uh, Conan Doyle estate have trademarked the name Sherlock Holmes. So it's a, so a slight problem on that one as well. Now, Sherlock Holmes might be a, the, an exception. Right now, you're, you guys have put out strictly focusing on history. I mean, I guess the Charlie Chaplin one is entertainment being an actor, but it deals with his real life. I know Richard does a Harry Potter tour are you keeping Edgar in a particular era to kind of like a turn of the century, kind of uh, the, the mm-hmm. 1900 or, or is, is Edgar going to appear in world well, war two blitz era London or, you know, different um, timeframes. I, I think that we will, we will definitely be, be releasing um, Edgar's through a different era. And I, I don't know, we've got one on the go at the moment. I don't know when it would appear, Um from a guest contributor, because that's something that we also agreed that it won't just be Richard and I writing all of these. You know, if we've got an expert on a particular subject matter, um, we'd happily take, you know, have them write the the uh, the guide and the entries. Um, and I'm trying, I'm trying to uh, discuss it without giving anything away, really. Right. <laughs> that, that is a well a well known author, known known to all of us. Who, who is very knowledgeable on a particular subject, which is well beyond the Victorian era, shall we say? So uh, that, that that will appear at some point. Um, but yeah, we, we're certainly not we're certainly not stuck in. Um, we want it to be all Victorian. This is going back to your question about the Ripper, although that's our a big interest to us, and so is the Victorian era. We, you know, we're not we're not adverse to having um, Edgar Edgar guides on on other subjects which which i think they're going to be historical really they may be they may be crime such as the ripper or they may be um um more more sort of historical uh and, and real people such as chaplin and dickens and, and that sort of stuff yeah. one one thing that richard's working on and it won't be a, a secret is is a shakespeare one at some point so we do a shakespeare's london again lit, lit, literary and, and, and historical but um you know we 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 i think we decided we're going to go 
really wherever the the, the interest is there yeah. we'll we'll look at i mean one thing i'm looking at for potentially won't be till next year is the um wren's churches of the city 51 visits but i mean that that will take a bit of work but it's it's certainly something that we're looking at at the moment um I think the interesting part, the thing is, 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 as you mentioned, John, that Richard does a Harry Potter thing, and and, and with the home, is obviously being a, being a fictional character. Do we go down the route that it's <laughs> we, right. we we mention things in uh, that are non non real life events, really? Yeah, and can I just say I don't do a Harry Potter. Um, um, no, you'd uh, <laughs> be spectacled I, wizard tour. You do, do. I do uh, yeah, a, 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 a wizard, a wizard. I do a wizard's tour of. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> <I understand. laughs> but, but I'm I'm also I'm also working on bringing up to date because uh, obviously I'm I'm a child of the seventies and uh, I've been in London since 1977 when it was at the height. So I'm actually working on our Edgar's. Uh, Never mind the bollocks. Here's Edgar, uh, and that's uh, that. that, that that's Joe. We're going to have Edgar with a safety pin through his hat at one, one stage. <laughs> Edgar's actually a time lord, is what we've established. He is. He, he can go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 I mean, we have looked at doing sort of Beatles, uh, Beatles London with Edgar, uh, mm. because there's, you know, again, again, it would, and again, I think that that's a sort of period. Although Edgar's probably, you know, we, we think of him, and I think our image of him, Adam, is of, as of a turn of the century Edwardian uh, sort of. A, but I mean. For example, I think he'd be right at home in, in Beatles London and uh, wandering, crossing. I mean, I just love the, the cover that we could add, have Edgar on this Abbey Road crossing, uh, going along there <laughs> and sending him across there. But uh, it's but it's that's the point about it is it's all these curiosities there are in London. I mean, one story I'd love to get in uh, to one of the books, but we can't do it is uh, the. <laughs> Uh, is just uh, just down the road from Stratford. The next the next DLR station on on on, on from Stratford uh, Stratford City is uh, is Abbey Road. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a DLR station in East London, and they opened it for the twenty twelve Olympics. So you've got Abbey Road Station. Uh, <laughs> what what they didn't foresee happening was that uh, you'd have all these Beatle fans from all over the world coming to London, looking on the map and thinking, oh, Abbey Road. <laughs> And uh, so suddenly this nondescript uh, DLR station in East London, which has got <laughs> nothing to do with the Beatles, has suddenly got all these Beatles fans turning up looking for the crossing so they can actually have themselves photographed on the crossing. And they've actually got a sign on the platform now saying, uh, I mean, it shows TFL have a bit of a sense of humour. Are you looking for the Abbey Road? Well, unfortunately, <laughs> you've gone wrong. But do not worry. We'll, uh, uh, as long as you've got a ticket to ride, We'll help you get back, and it's all it's all done in Beatles, Beatles song titles and everything like that. And so we want to do Edgar things like that as well, Edgar curiosities. But of course, things like that would have to be more a coffee table book, uh, as opposed to doing a, uh, a walking guide, because they, they're too spread out over London. And and, and but that, that I mean that's the beauty of it that there's, there's there's just so much potential for Edgar to do, and it's uh, and it's not so much not having enough material; it's finding the time to actually. <laughs> work with what material we have got. Right, right. John, you have uh, anything else? Yeah, so um, uh, we've had a brief uh, sneak peek of what, what's coming up uh, soon. You, know, you mentioned the Shakespeare one and a few others, but uh, where, when can we expect the next Edgar's Guide out? <laughs> Over to you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we definitely would like to get some out. I mean, it's don't want it. We don't want to turn into a commercial thing, but you know, with the nature of them and the pricing, I think they are perfect for Christmas gifts, you know, if you're not buying for yourselves. So um, um, we definitely would like to get at least one out 
before the end of the year. Whether that's achievable remains to be seen. But, you know, it's tricky because when, when Richard, right from the very first conversation about this, this new venture that evolved into, into Edgar, um, you know, the, the, the idea about the, um, the, uh, the marketing, the promotion of it was very much that this is the perfect thing for post-COVID where you're slowly prepared to go out again and, and, and go out on the streets and visit these places rather than go in a big crowd, you can do it on your own. So we always planned right from day one that we'd have like a big um, promotional announcement and everything, but we haven't been able to do that because it doesn't look as though that, that we don't know when that day is actually going, going to arrive really. Um, maybe we've missed the boat and people are just going out anyway, but it, it's tricky. So we, it, what I would like to do, if it was possible, would make a big announcement in November um, in you know, send out press releases to to the national newspapers saying this is the perfect post-COVID um, entertainment, self-entertainment. But to do that, I think we'd need to have at least one new Edgar uh, on on the back of it. So, you know, there's lots of discussions to be had. But the problem is that I speak to Richard every day. I, I'd imagine, and perhaps twice a day sometimes. Usually, Richard's out doing a walk somewhere and he spots something or he's had an idea and just sort of throw that on the list. And we've got a shared Google Drive, as I say, with perhaps about 20 different <laughs> different ideas and this catch Ed, Edgar catchphrases that we've we've built in the list of to build into future volumes. Um it's it's really just I think narrowing down this is the next volume that we'll we'll aim to get out. Um and then and then just get crack on and do it really. So the answer to your question is uh we don't know. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing I did forget to mention about Edgar was that uh, I, 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 I hate lugging books around with me, big, big, th- big books and guidebooks. I just hate carrying big, thick, heavy books around. Uh, so that's the other thing we decided with Edgar was we would make it just something that could fit in your pocket, uh, uh, that it was just t- enough to just get the information in, but also uh, light enough to be able to hold in your, you know, just put it in your pocket and then go off, do the tour and not be weighed down with bags. Because I, I hate carrying bags and things around with me. To, but it, to keep but it was in. a balancing trick, wasn't it, Richard, in that we wanted to pack it with information. So, you know, we, we, we tried to aim for an optimum page count on each volume. But to do that, you know, we didn't want to sacrifice any of the information that was in there. Um, so I, I think, you know, hopefully you guys uh, would agree, and anyone who's read the Edgar, they're really quite punchy. You know, we, we, there's no sort of bloat or excess words in there. When we give information about a stop, it, it really we've really tried to fine tune that into exact, exact right, right length and, and page count, uh, word count. Very much so. Yeah, it, they are a really interesting experience to read, um, you know, cause as Edgar's describing one thing, you know, and uh, direct, directing the uh, reader to continue walking down a certain direction, you know, it's almost like the, the different sites um, along the tour come upon the reader unexpectedly. And if you just stop here and, turn to your left and look across the street, you will see. And then it goes into the next part. I said, that was the nice thing about Chaplin when we were doing Chaplin, because I'd be, uh, there's a couple of times when we initially did it, uh, where I'd be, so, I'd be standing on a corner saying, I can't, I can't see where it is. Or, you know, uh, so I'd phone Adam up and say, I can't see it. Uh, and he'd say, well, <laughs> and then it turned out, you, you know, I, I'd gone to the wrong side of the street. So we, we uh, but that was the great thing about it was that we made them, we made the mistakes by walking it. 
And then that meant because the mistakes had been, had been made by us, then people wouldn't make the mistakes. There's also that was, I mean, I come into on Chaplin. Do you remember when I called you up and uh, Adam and uh, I was walking through one of the estates in Lambeth and the smell of cannabis was <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> just, just coming yeah. on this estate. I, I was phoning Adam up and I said, God, I need a burger. I've got munch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was interesting because that was a Peabody estate, I think, wasn't it? And I, when I, was, when I, I was trying not to identify it. <laughs> When I'd scouted, yeah, well, I'm telling you the name of it. There's a few in the area. Yeah. But when I scouted out the route on, on um, Street View and everything, I, I said, well, looks as though you can go in the estate and that would be a really good experience for anyone going down there. So, so Richard duly followed the instructions and walk, walked into the estate. I think floated out, didn't you? <laughs> I, was la- I was laughing. Uh, uh, Charlie had me la- in fits of laughter. <laughs> But I think one of my just just on that point, I think one of my favourite stopping points that we uh, we guide people to, I think, it was in the Ripple one, where you go to look at the London Hospital, and you've gone past the working lads, and then we say go and stop by the black lamp post uh, and look over at the museum. But while you're there, and give like the complete history of the the it was a fountain actually, wasn't it? Yeah. Who put it there and when and what all the the, uh, the decorative ornaments went? I mean, I don't think you get that much detail in, in many yeah. guides. I mean, that was just amazing. And then there's little things like I walked past, uh, I'd completely forgotten about it, actually. And then I walked past it, Woods Buildings and uh, on, on Whitechapel Road. And I happened to be walking past in the walk one day and the gate was open. So I just I just uh, walked in and, and filmed Woods Buildings. And I've not been there since 1985 uh, that, that, uh, that I've been into Woods Buildings. So again, it was uh, it was for me and, and for, I think for you as well, Adam. When you was that, they were just voyages of discovery. That uh, we 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 were just uh, in there, and, and it brought back a lot of memories. Uh, uh, you know, of, of the times when when I started doing the tours with Martin, when Martin Fido was working with me, and uh, Martin, we used to do a tour from Whitechapel that Martin did. It was his master class that just went everywhere. And always remember Martin started by going down through Woods Buildings. And, uh, you know, so it's just remembering those those moments of, of, uh, of Martin and, you know, the, the mid 1980s when it was sort of the, the wild east of London. When the uh, when the Edgar's uh, video uh, guides come out, are we going to see Richard in a straw boat uh, bow tie and little uh, uh, moustache uh, in the videos? <laughs> That's it. Well, I might not go back to the moustache. That was a bad idea. But uh, Adam, Adam's certainly doing the chaplain walk <laughs> so, with, with his cane and his, uh, his, bowler, his bowler hat. Well, thank you, uh, Richard Jones and Adam Wood, for being on the show today. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Again, the books are called Edgar's Walking Guides, and they can be purchased as both physical copies and as digital downloads. And I'll provide the uh, web address um, in the show links. And like I said earlier in the show, even if you don't see yourself uh, taking a self-guided tour, I still encourage you to buy these as there's so much in it for London history lovers. And they should be valuable as great reads equal to their underlying utilitarian purposes. So congratulations to both of you on producing a great series of books. Thank you very much. Thank you. And and, uh, thank you for being on the show today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, yeah. We enjoyed it. Thank you.